On this week's episode, Kyle and Brian continue their discussion on farming, focusing on when to expand your farm and how to become influential in your farm. Then, Kyle and Brian share their Whistle Widget of the Week. Brian shares a program that helps optimize your desktop workspace, while Kyle shares an item that helps improve office productivity. Now roll that intro. Welcome back to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle. As always, I am joined by... Brian Kochi. My media and marketing manager here with Whistle Realty Group at EXP in San Diego. By the way, next year, I think that's going to turn to director. I've been talking to my coach about it. I think we're going to turn that to director next year. Going to be media director? Yeah. Or director of media? Media and marketing director. Director, okay. That's... I'm still not C level yet, but when we, we open the new you company, like one of those boards that like directors have. Is it called a clapboard? Yeah. yeah. Should we get one of those for shooting videos? No, I don't want that. No. no. Anyways, continue on. Continue. Oh, I can continue. <laughs> okay, sounds like fun. So, anyways, guys, the goal of the Whistleway Podcast is to give you the tools, the techniques that you need to go out there and crush it in your business. Uh, one of the ways that we like to do that is by answering the questions that you have. We don't like to come up with our own topic ideas. We want to answer the questions that you guys ask us. Uh, if you want to submit questions uh, to have answered on the show, you can do that via the Whistleway Facebook group. If you want a shortcut to get there, just go to thewhistleway.com. That will direct you to the Facebook group. You can also subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel on there. And you can find out details on upcoming events that we have going on, in particular, our Media Mayor Masterminds, which, Brian, we got to uh, nail a date down. We do. Yes. Um, It'll be in Q1. Yeah. It'll be in Q1 for sure. I was sure. thinking March. I was so, thinking about that this morning. Yeah. And if you guys are noticing, we do have a little different sound today. We ended up getting the Rode pot Podcaster. Yes, Pro. Pro. Yes. Um, and I'm already noticing, Tom, we do need those pop filters because I can hear it popping. Um. So that'll be in two more episodes. We'll have another piece of equipment to help it kind of tone down those pops. Uh, yeah, but yes, Media Mayor Mastermind. Yeah. Probably, I'm thinking March, maybe late February. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. All right, let's cool. make it happen. So Brian, what is our question today? We're going to continue on. We brought this topic up uh, probably about a month, a month and a half ago about farming. And so... We did. I wanted to break this into three sections. We did Farming 101. This is going to be Farming 201. So once you've already established a farm, once you've already started, if you haven't started farming yet, you want to start farming, check out Farming 101 episode. That's really going to figure out how to find a farm, really kind of dive down into those, those numbers about picking a farm. Um, now we're going to talk about 201. So you already have a farm. How do you expand upon it? So I've got a couple questions, but I figured I'd ask them and uh, we'd go from there. Let's do it. So... How do you expand on a farm? So you already have a farm. You started with 200, 400 houses. You're dominating that. Do you look at, how do you decide to expand? Do you go, okay, after a certain amount of time, after I have a certain amount of market share, or after I see results and I want to spend more money? When do you decide how to expand? Or um, expand? I think when you decide to expand is when you've really grabbed as much market share as you can. I think realistically, 25% market share is probably the absolute max you're going to get. Depending on how big your farm is, that's going to go down. So if you're doing like a 500 home farm, I believe you can attain 25% market share, at least on a listing side of things. And that's within a year? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you get realistically, I think you can get up to twenty five percent. Anything above that is is amazing, and rarely are you going to get above twenty five percent. If your farm is much bigger, let's say it's fifty thousand homes, you're probably not getting twenty five percent market share. Um, I would <laughs> shoot for something sick. closer to ten percent when okay. you get up to something that big. And so, if you get to the point where you're maintaining a ten to 25, somewhere in that range percent market share, I think you're really squeezing everything you can out of that particular farm. And so then there's really two choices when you look to expand. You have an option to go into whatever area it is that your people are either coming from or moving to. What I found is most neighborhoods, there's a particular area that most people come from. So you could look at, ooh, I could go farm that area. So like my particular farm, they... um bunch of big houses but it's up on a hill and where most of the people come from that buy the houses are the people that live in the condos that are on the hill so a logical thing for me to do was to go farm those condos because those people that live in the condos are often buying those houses so if i can connect with those people i can get them to list their condo for sale with me and then they subsequently buy a house in my farm so you could go to your feeder market or you could go to the market that your buyers are moving up to. So let's say you were originally farming those condos and you start to realize, oh, a lot of my condo buyers are buying up in those houses. I've already sold a few of those houses. That would be a really good market for you to farm as well as the market where your people are moving to. So I like finding that move up or move down market um, that is connected to your farm or the alternative, let's say people are just coming from all over the place. There's not really any sort of concentration. The natural thing to do is just to bleed out. What I see a lot of people do is blot out. And when I say blot, that means just, you know, like if blood goes on the ground, it blots all over the place. Um, you don't want to do that. You want to just bleed out to the next closest area because... Okay, so so blot out is more, if you look at a map, you go like, here, 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 and it's, it's all, all, over all over the place. Yes. Yeah, that, that whole blood analogy was horrible. Like that? <laughs> no, oh, okay. That was horrible. Right. So so basically putting pins on a map all over the, the area is blotting out. Yes. Bleeding out is is going to the surrounding areas. Yes. So you just want to bleed out um, into the surrounding markets. The reason that you want to do that is because you already have a presence in that particular area. These people have already seen your signs, your open house signs. Maybe they haven't gotten your mailers, but they've at least seen your open house signs in the area. Um, and so there's a little bit of brand familiarity there. So as a result, they've seen you. It's a little bit easier to go into there. And when you go in there and they're like, oh, have you ever sold anything in this area? You can say, oh, yeah, you know, right across the way there. We've sold 62 homes in the last three years. So you have a, an extra level of credibility there. Very cool. My uh, The rest of my computer is supposed to be coming today. So I'm trying to see if the UPS guy is coming. Anyway, um, so cool. So we've got that now. When you expand your farm, do you do it? Do you say, okay, I'm going to double the size of my farm? Do you say, um, I'm going to add an extra 20%? How do you do it? How do you decide what numbers you're going to do? I think it's all about budget. I think that you really got to budget out what can you do for 12 months. Okay. And so you've got to figure out how much money is set aside in your budget that you can do everything that you need to do in that farm for a period of 12 months. So just like when you establish your first farm, you should never go into a farm unless you have 12 months of expenses budgeted for it because you should assume it's going to take you 12 months to get your first transaction. So the same methodology you used to get into your first farm, you should use to get into your second farm. So you never want to go after a farm if you only have three months worth of 
money to go into that farm because the probability of you getting traction within three months is low. Mm -hmm. Could it happen? Very likely, especially because you already have some traction in the general area. So you'll probably start getting traction sooner in that new farm, but I still would recommend you, and you need to have 12 months worth of expenses. So I would look at how much money do you have allocated for farming and then work backwards to figure out how big of a farm you should go after. How much money should someone allocate per house? So I think it depends on what all everybody's going to do. Mm -hmm. I would say realistically, you should figure $2 per house per month. So if it's a 500 home farm, you need to have a thousand dollars a month. So you should have at least twelve thousand dollars allocated to go after that five home farm. Dang, I wasn't expecting you to know that answer. So kind of, that's a good answer. I didn't I didn't expect you to know it. Okay, so we've got that. We've got to talk about expanding your farm. In 101, we talked about um, basically getting started, doing videos in the area, doing postcards. Now I want to take that a step further. What kind of events can you do to really show yourself to your farm? belly to belly, face to face. I know we do a couple events each year. What are the ones that we do and what are some things that you either want to grow into or um, have heard good success from other people? Yeah, I would say the the three that come to mind um, off the top of my head is doing an Easter egg hunt is a natural thing, especially if you have a park in your community. Like when you have parks, you want to take advantage of those things. So doing something like an Easter egg hunt in the park that's in the middle of your community is a great thing to do. Uh, doing a movie night at the park in your community is great. Or if you don't have a park, doing a movie night at a theater is a great idea. Um, the key with the movies is you got to do something that's going to be relevant for adults and for kids. Um, so you don't want to do a rated R movie, but you could <laughs> you could press to go PG-13. I know like Star Wars is, is always the best, yeah. um, but you want to look up what are going to be the hottest movies of 2020 and and pick something accordingly, you know, around the time frame that you want to do it. Um, so those are both great to utilize something that's already part of the community because then it even further ties you into the community and people don't have to travel. A lot of times they could just walk to the event, which increases your turnout rate. Um, and then another one is doing some sort of holiday party, having Santa come. And I've seen people even do this like in their own personal house. If they live in the farm or in their garage, you could do something like that or doing it at a local restaurant or, you know, local uh, golf um, venue like we do, um, those can all work. But I think those are kind of the three that come to mind at, at the top of my head. So, and I want to kind of add to that. I've thought about this before. I think it'd be really cool to set up some sort of photo booth like um, setup for kids with Halloween costumes. I think that would be a really cool way to um, get photos of them, give the photos for free. Um, but obviously then you get, you build goodwill you show where your house is in the farm if you do it at your house or at the community center or wherever. And it, hey, give me your email address. I need to email you this file. Perfect. Yes. Um, but we also do some things that are kind of unique in our farm uh, around Christmas time and around. Um, True. Good point. Yeah. Let me touch on these. I think over the holidays, you have a really amazing opportunity to do some good in your community and utilize it as a way to get yourself in front of your your farm on a regular basis. So especially if you're trying to establish a farm during the holidays is the best time of year to do it. One, because the busy time of year is in the spring and the winter is when people start kind of making the plans of what they're going to do in the spring. So you want to get yourself top of mind during that time period when people are thinking. Um, but what we like to do is in November every year, every year in November, we do a food drive. And so 
we go around to everybody in the neighborhood. And now again, this depends if you have sweat equity or check equity. Um, so do you have time or do you have money? Which one do you, is you know in alignment with you? I have more money, I have less time. So what I do is I pay people to go and deliver bags to everybody in the neighborhood. It's just we get uh, brown paper bags from the local grocery store. Sometimes we, we get them free, sometimes we have to pay for them. So yes, California, they make you pay for that stuff. Um, and then we just put little flyers on there and let people know, hey, we're gonna be, we partnered up with the local food bank. Um, we are looking for donations. We're going to come pick them up on Wednesday morning. Just send an email to this address with, um, with your address, and then we'll come and pick those bags up for you. And so what we're doing is a couple things there. One, we're, or if you have sweat equity and you don't have check equity, you're knocking on these doors. So what you're doing is you're finding a way to get in front of your target audience and with something good, like nobody's going to slam the door in your face when you knock on the door and like, Hey, I'm Kyle, I'm local realtor. We're actually partnered up with the local food bank. We want to help out the families in need this year. Like anybody who slams the door in your face, karma is going to take care of them. Like it's just <laughs> not going to happen. People are going to be receptive to that conversation. So um, it's a great way for you to get in front of your audience and meet people. Um, and then what you do is you have them send an email. We just make like skyranch at gmail.com, right? Um, or skyranchfooddrive at gmail.com and have them email over the address of their house. Well, when they email their address over, a couple things just happen. One, now you have a name, an email address, and a physical address. That's great, that needs to go in your database. And half the time, their email signature is gonna have their phone number in it. So now you just got all the contact info for somebody that's in your farm, which is pretty freaking amazing. Um, and then you can utilize that for future marketing purposes. So we do that in November. We essentially do the same thing in December, but we do a clothing drive. And then another one that we do is, in, at least in my neighborhood, the trash company won't pick up the Christmas trees. You have to go take them to the dump, which is a pain in the butt. So we have a moving truck and we drive around and pick up everybody's Christmas trees in January. So November, we do Goodwill. December, we do Goodwill. January, we do Goodwill. And guess what? People start listing their homes in February and March. So it's a perfect way for you to get in front of your target audience three times in a row doing Goodwill for the community. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. So it's a great way to break into a farm or to strengthen your, your stranglehold on a particular farm that you already have. Cool. I like it. Yeah. That's what I had for that's 201. Yeah. All right. I think that's well, got some good nuggets. Cool. Well, let's dive into our widgets, our whistle widget of the week. I'll let you go first. So my widget is a free tool for Windows users, uh, PC users. And I really found I needed this tool when I upgraded my monitor. I got an ultra wide monitor. And then I took my 27 inch monitor and I made it vertical on the side. And I was having trouble utilizing the space in the best way possible. So this tool, I'm able to be a lot more specific on how I want to um, display my screens. So it's called Windows Grid. It's windowsgrid.net. Um, and what I can do, and this is really what I wanted it for, on my vertical screen, I could only do left side of the screen or right side of the screen with the regular window setup. Super annoying. You get these really long, really narrow windows. Now I can have it set up to where I can have, I mean, as many as I want, but I have it set up as uh, three screens. So I can have, I have my workplace chat on top. I have my YouTube in the middle. I have my Facebook chat on the bottom and it's, it's spaced out really nicely and it just snaps to it. So windowsgrid.net is my widget of the week and it is free and they have one for mac because we use the same these ultra wide monitors we use the uh it's called magnet magnet on a mac i think it cost a buck 
Ooh, see? PC. I'm saving you money. Yeah. I just bought a new PC, which I did not save you money on in the short term. But the long term, it will save me hours. Brian is expensive. If you guys want a Brian on your team, you got to understand they're expensive, especially around Black Friday every year. They get very, very expensive. Yeah. I spend about $4 to your $1 you spend on me. So that's fine. I mean... Half of my salary, I think, goes into more camera shit for you (laughs) that I pay for. Well, let's do this. I'm going to shift my widget of the week based on what you just talked about. And it's the widget of the week that I want to talk about is something that can really, really increase your productivity when you're at the office. And what I see a lot of people do is they run these two monitor setups in their office. And two monitor setups are great, right? You could have like your email on one side so you can kind of keep tabs on what's going on there. While on the other um, monitor, you could be focusing on whatever it is that you're actually doing. Um, And you could see the emails as they come in without having to switch back and forth. And so dual monitor setups have been an amazing thing for a long time. But recently, they've come out with what Brian mentioned, which is called an ultra-wide monitor. And what an ultra-wide monitor is, is essentially two monitors in one. So what's beautiful is you can run it like a dual monitor setup where you could have your email on the left side and you could have, you know, your browser, whatever you're working on, on the right side. But in the event that let's say you're working on a big spreadsheet, like we're diving into our CSU numbers. I wanted to see a lot more data when I'm on a two monitor setup. I can't display all of that data spread out across the two monitors, or I'm sure there's a program I could, but it's going to be really choppy because it's going to be space in the middle. Um, But what I can do with an ultra-wide single monitor is I can now display that entire spreadsheet all the way across the entire width of what's equal to two screens. And so that really, really helps out. It's super efficient. And like Brian said, with, you know, with Windows Grid or with Magnet, you can really play around. And I could break that up into four separate screens or six screens, however I want to. Um, But I have a lot more room to work with and more flexibility because it's one single monitor as opposed to two separate ones. Um, And I'm not bouncing back and forth left to right. Um, and then the other thing, let's see, what else with the ultra wides curved, the curved versions. So they make them curved and non-curved curved just helps because it didn't, they are super wide. Um, and it's less head churning cause it's really, really wide. Um, but overall I love the ultra wide thing. Oh, the last thing I was going to hit on too, is it, if you have a computer that doesn't have multiple video outputs, when you go to a two monitor setup, now you have to buy another video card that gives you dual monitor outputs. When you go to a single ultra wide monitor, you're not having to do any upgrades, so it can save you money there as well. I'm gonna so, try and do three monitors soon. You're such a geek. <laughs> I'm right, just stealing guys. that from Tom. Sorry, Tom. That's <laughs> what we've got for you. Hopefully, you guys got a lot of value out of today's podcast. We'd love to stay connected with you. The best way to do that, go to thewhistleway.com. You can hop in there, join our Facebook group, which is where you can ask questions that we will answer here on the show. You can also uh, get connected with our podcast, our YouTube channel, and find out about the next Media Mayor Mastermind that we have coming up. So thewhistleway.com. Also, if you guys are enjoying this, if you're on YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up. Give us a comment letting us know what you thought about the episode. Or if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, make sure to give us a five-star rating on there if you enjoy the show because that'll really help us out and, and expose us to more people that can hopefully get value out of it. And like if you, you hate it, give it a four star. Yeah. If you love it, five star, hate it, four star. We'll just, we'll live with that. I love it. Thanks so much <laughs> for tuning in.